Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. This is Redeemer Church's podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we put out an episode. Sorry about that, but uh, things come, things happen. I am Donovan, one of your hosts, and today I am joined by Dirk Weiss. He's one of our pastors in Cedar Falls. Hi, Dirk. Hey. How are you? Doing good, doing good. As good as you look. <laughs> it's up for debate. <laughs> that was material we were rehearsing before the before the show. So if it sounds rehearsed, it is. We're going to talk about uh, incredible things today. Um, so tune in, stay tuned. But before there, we need to get to know Dirk a little bit. I heard you're getting rid of your dog. Yes. Your dog's name is? Luna. Luna. Is that short for? Hey, Lunatic? Nah, nah, well, yeah. Is that her nickname? It's an ego. It's what? It's an ego? It's her ego. Her ego. Now, Luna means? Moon. Moon. Mm-hmm. How did you did you pick that knowing it meant moon? You named after the moon gods? <laughs> Are you worshiping the host of heaven? Yeah. <laughs> it was before I read the Unseen Realm. <laughs> right. Now, that's why you're getting rid of the dog. Yeah. <laughs> you casting your idols? Out no, I, I've actually thought about uh, uh, one of the tattoos I have. Like, I got it before I was a Christian, and... It's it's on my chest, and so many people have never seen it. But it, I got it off a Google image search, and I'm now going through all this. I'm like, man, what if it's actually a portal, Im- a demonic portal? Well, not not about portal, but at least like an an image of like connected to some sort of yeah yeah worldview um, culture that is related to like just oppression and. Maybe a specific like picture. a swastika might be or something. You don't even know. You're just running around. Right. Yeah. With like the, I mean, the black equivalent. And red. It's what? It's black. And it red. is black and red. Yeah. Does it look like a cross with little <laughs> flags coming? <off? laughs> Are you familiar with this? Well, the swastika is from Hinduism. That's right. Yeah. The true and better Aryans. Oh, there's a lot of history of that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So when you go to India, you see the swastika yeah, places. Yeah, we saw lots of swastikas. You know, and it's unoffensive. It's all right, about, it's all right. about context. Right, yeah. And yeah, so it kind of speaks into all of like, Hitler's occultic like fanaticism. Like there was an area of his um, reach that had to do a lot, had to do a lot with those things, like in terms of gaining power. Right, that's so, right. Like, by whatever means. wonder what that looks like in America. No offense. <laughs> But why are you getting rid of the dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're getting too deep, man. You get yeah. too deep. Dirk, Dirk goes deep quick. We got to. Yeah. Um, there, there's a number of things. So uh, my wife is actually allergic to a lot of things. And so we got the dog um, seeing if this would be um, like a, a building an immunity. And I think it, it somewhat was because um, she was pregnant when we got the dog and her allergies weren't as bad. But now after having our daughter, you know, the body changes yep. still. And so now it's like, well, they're actually getting kind of worse. And the dog's a lot more high energy than we had um, initially thought and experienced. We thought, oh, when she gets older, she's going to settle down a bit. But it's kind of not been the case. And so given our lifestyle and um, our history with training and now having a baby, it's just not it got to go. Yeah. Are I mean, you sad? Yeah. I mean, we, we love the dog. Sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is sad. But we know like, all right, we need to care for our marriage and family first. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't hate dogs. I don't hate animals. We don't hate dogs or animals, but. We just right. Like which, yeah. Which is why you got the dog. You didn't get the dog to torture it. Right. To love it. Yeah. Oh, you're gosh. a dog lover. I'm a yeah. dog tolerator. My biggest objection to the dog. I think, you know. Why, why my biggest objection to a dog being in my house? Licking? No, it's the other end. Licking? Yeah. Like licking me? No. Well. Oh, licking itself? And then licking you. And then, <laughs> yeah. Well, right. So it's the, well, it's that they have anuses. And everything that comes with that, but that's the main culprit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the connection to the licking, the pooping, the, all that stuff. We, we wear pants when we sit on furniture and things. Right. I could not do what a dog does. If I came to your house <laughs> and just planted my anus on your couch, 
there would be discussions about my disqualifications as an elder. Yeah. You know, at the very least. We'll edit this out later. No, this is prime. This is people need to know this. They need to have some soul searching and ask why. Now, now I have a dog. So why do I allow that? Because I love my wife and I tolerate that. But some people don't aren't tolerating. They're celebrating the anus. They like it as part of their life. And you're one of those. So now, you know, Dirk. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that, that's the question that reveals so much about me as a person that's right speaking of uh these certain parts before we get to today's topic which we're going to talk about music and worship and stuff like that i want to i do have a a couple follow-ups still on the unseen realm Mm. so let me someone asked me this question let me just read this to you see what you think all right so Yo, the message reads, question for you, whenever you have time. First thing, first thing my wife asked me this morning, first thing, was if divine council members had sex with women and produced and reproduced in Genesis, right? So that's the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves. And these are the days when the Nephilim were on the earth, the giants, all that. So the, the story, the theology is that fallen divine council members incarnated, took women or wives either way, reproduced with them, produced these giant breeds called Nephilim in most places. And, uh, that's part of why God flooded the earth, but these, this isn't the only place they show up, and we won't go there big time. If you guys want links, we can, I can send you links to people who can do a way better job teaching this than I can. You can read the Unseen Realm. Um, oh. Yeah. But, you know, they show up in Deuteronomy. They show up in um, Joshua. Blah, blah, blah. So that's the background. If or since divine council members had sex with women and reproduced in Genesis – why don't they do it anymore? There's actually a two-part question here. So, Dirk, why don't they do it anymore? Well, I think that question assumes something. But Yeah, what is it assuming? Well, it's assuming that all spiritual rebellion has ceased. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could get down into that rabbit hole. Sure. Because, yeah, some people would say, like, that's part of what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians 11, like, because oh, of the oh, angels. Here we go. He's speaking in the something. Cover your head. Because the angels are looking. Right. Which, yeah. Oh. It gets deep into. We need to do a whole episode on this. Yeah. What, what, what did, Let's move quickly. What do the Greeks believe about hair in terms of reproduction? We won't get into that. No, we won't. There's a lot. But they're assuming that they don't do it anymore or won't do right. it or couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Right. So, and I just said, my response to that was, yeah, why not anymore? Perhaps they do. Or could? Yeah. Okay, second part of the question. She, my wife, I think he is actually asking these questions himself and he has like this. I have a friend who's... He's not even married. Who's struggling with this. Yeah, asking for a friend. (laughs) Asking for a wife. (laughs) Hopefully your wife is your friend. Asking for an enemy. Who's that? My wife. Oh. (laughs) That's fair. She also wants me, she also wants me to ask why God... (laughs) I remember he phrased it this way. Why God would give them, being the divine council members, genitals. Mm. Why would God give them genitals, Dirk? (sighs) The show's not for kids. Yeah. Uh, That is a great question. Well, because a lot of it it reminds me back into, well, people use Matthew 22. Um, 22, 23 through 33 in terms of um, marriage, human marriage, like after we're dead. And then because Jesus ties in with like, oh, like after we're with him, but are like angels in heaven. As for the and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what it was said to you by God? Yeah, 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 yeah. So n- being not given in marriage, the people drop from that like, oh, so angels obviously don't get married and have 
uh, procreation like the way we do here now. Right. So I think people make the argument, but I think I don't know if that necessarily applies to it, which is I think why this question is asked by people in different ways. Um, yeah, it certainly could be. Um, but yeah, but the, the question is why? Like, well, why do um, messengers? Why do angels in um, in the Bible have physical forms? Right, right. It's not. Well, I've heard this. Like, it's a broader question. Yeah, because you never see the category of angels having wings. If I'm not mistaken, you see like the seraphim. The seraphim, yeah. Yeah, and um, there's a vision. It wasn't Ezekiel's vision of like a woman like descending, but that's that's a lot of depth. But most of the time, you see human form. Like they have, they're right. they're given physical. Or they're talked about with physical attributes. Sure. Yeah. And they're interacting with humans. Right. So maybe it would be helpful to, to – I think one thing to keep in mind here is that I wouldn't say God gave the divine council members genitals. So when he creates the divine council, do they have genitals? I don't think so. They're spiritual beings. Right. When these divine spiritual beings incarnate – which is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're incarnating. Yep. Um, they now that they take on the human form, including eyebrows, legs, mm-hmm. genitals. They're, they're a human. They're not a human, right. essentially, but they're they're incarnated, mm-hmm. right? So this so that happens in Genesis six, and you've mentioned there's other places we see them, like um, Daniel. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, Joshua sees an angel, mm-hmm. right? It's a man. John at the book of Revelation sees a, yep. an angel. It's a man. It's a man. Yep. Sodom, um, and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's that's where I went. So the these angels come and, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed and there's these wicked men. What do they want to do with the angels? They want to rape them, want to be with them, mm-hmm. which means they have genitals, anuses, that whole thing. That was, that was the thematic tie-in with the dog. That led me down this road, but mm. that's the that's the issue. Like, what? Right? Why wouldn't they have genitals if they incarnated? Why wouldn't they? Why would they have noses? Why would they have fingernails? Why would they have you know all the parts that we have? Because that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously insane to think that a spiritual being could incarnate in the form of man. And um, but once you make that leap, them having the appropriate body parts is not a it's not a far leap. Right. I don't think, yeah, because I think people wrestle with this because it's like, isn't this such an outlandish thing to believe? Yeah. You know, because, well, yeah, you look through the Old Testament, okay, you see wars, you see, um, yeah, just different personal interactions. But I think, oh, if you say you're a Christian and you genuinely believe that, like, our faith involves a lot more than just what happens physically. Like we believe that that Jesus was born of a woman, like conceived by the Holy Spirit. Like right. That is a miracle. Like God you incarnate. Can't, yeah, you cannot. No one can physically accomplish that. Like being born of a virgin. Right. And th- I mean that, and that's one thing alongside a, a myriad of other things. So I think we acclimate is what's happening. We're we're acclimating to these things. We've heard that so many times that it, which is a problem actually. That's part of I think what we're trying to do when we teach and preach is like, are we literally realizing what we're saying here? Right. It's that we're in touch with the supernatural, living, breathing God who can change us. Who will you know? It's like, oh, like oh, oh yeah, we have been saying that. Okay, yeah, yeah. this unseen realm thing is kind of like, I think the the fact to the extent that it unsettles us, it's it's a part of it, not all of it, but part of it is that we have kind of gone to sleep on the supernatural claims. Right. It, it's yeah. I think we've in many ways like conditioned ourselves. Like, okay, how do we experience grace day to day, like with my family and with my marriage? Like, those are good questions. Those are good topics and issues to wrestle with and figure out, but. 
it can't be detached from the work of the Spirit in you, in your family, in your church. Like you can't just naturalize everything. Right. So let's talk about that. This is relates. This is a uh, transition slash. Um, yeah, connective tissue here. We're going to talk about music today, mm-hmm. which relates to worship. And now I want to be careful. Music, worship is more than music, right? All of life, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Worship is enjoying God for who he is um, and doing that through any means. Um, but we're going to narrow in and just talk about the role of music in that, in worship. <clears throat> And why we do this, and what it, what, what this super, you know, what does this supernatural aspect relate to that? So I had asked Dirk, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to suggest a topic and throw out some initial thoughts and discussion points. Why this, Dirk? Why music? Uh, Musical worship. Yeah. Well, it's something. It's a consistent practice. Well, for us as a church. Yeah, it's one of the most dominant things we do on a week-to-week basis. Yep, yep. And, and uh, well, I know at least one of our groups in Cedar Falls does this in yep. their monthly rhythms. Yep. They, we they have worship too. together through song. Yep. And uh, that being said, it's it's been a topic of, I think, great controversy. <gasps> like In your group? No, 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 no. I think great controversy in the culture yeah. for quite some time. I think, well, all of us alive, I think have an experience with the worship wars yes. for the last couple of decades. Um, me, not so much because I got saved when I was 20. Yep. That was 10 years ago. That's right. I was reading about this stuff today and, you know, the worship wars are uh, basically uh, 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 it's a church culture phenomenon where um, there's just debate, different ideas and maybe hostility about do's and don'ts for how we do music, including lyrics, including style, including all this stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. should we be more contemporary? And one of the articles I was reading today was like, what people call contemporary music today is actually from the (laughs) nineties in most churches, you know, inspired by you too. That's right. It's not contemporary. I like you too though. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So where to begin, man, there's, there's a lot here. So maybe I'll, I'll go through some of the, I have some notes as well. And, um, we may end up doing two parts on this. Um, what have our experiences been with various worship or music styles? Um, I, I haven't been around. I've basically been at two churches. My wife and I dabbled with a couple in Columbus, but we had, well, that's not true. Three churches. I went to a church, a Baptist, Reformed Baptist church, but more traditional feel mm-hmm. in Columbus. And it was, they would have a piano or an organ, mm-hmm. sometimes a guitar player, but most time it was a guy standing at the front, kind of leading just with his voice, you yeah. know, with the hand thing moving up and down, and, yep. we, and the congregation would sing. It was powerful singing and heartfelt, but yeah, mm-hmm. traditional was, um, I guess, not as you get. I mean, you have to go BC. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my church in California, which I would describe as probably what you would identify as contemporary. CCM, but they would have drums and, you know, they'd have full bands sometimes and things like that. But, but yeah, one Oh one nine. Right. And then Redeemer, Mm -hmm. which is, has varied to some extent, but it was more, I don't, a little more modern than that, I guess. Like with some folk and um, even like more rock edge. Getting into bands or songs that aren't as well known or don't get as much radio play. Right. Now, some of that depends. It varies. Yeah. 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 But yeah. in terms of musical style, a right. little more, little more uh, yeah, folk or rock. I would, yeah. So mm-hmm. depend on who's, who's leading. Right. Now you <clears throat> now Yeah. So maybe what's your what, what's been your experience? Yeah. So prior to being a Christian, um, not going to any church like regularly or being a part of a church, um, you know, with weddings and funerals, um, yeah. So I had experienced like Methodist services, Catholic services. Um, so very traditional or I didn't do any like Gregorian chants or anything like that, but um, very piano led. Um, and then after I became a Christian, I was a part of an E-Free church uh, for a few months before I moved up to Cedar Falls. And so the E-Free church, that was a little bit more 
um, modern. So it was like in 2000. So um, yeah, some like Life 101.9, you know, kind of Christian radio. Yeah. Um, some of the hits like Matt Redman, Chris Tomlin, like great stuff. Um, full band. Uh, and then after getting up here, I was a part of a mega church for a few years. And so uh, a lot more production. Um, they executed really well. Um, but I would say it was more, um, you know, playing through the songs as you would hear them on Spotify. Like, right. Not really very much from it. Um, you would have kind of your roadmap and you would follow it. Um, and yeah. And so then when I got to Redeemer, um, it, there was a little bit of difference in um, where we had a little bit more freedom in terms of, um, you know, lingering and creating some space. And for me, that was pretty new. And so like since my time being here, really experiencing more of um, that realm and then. Um, other it was unseen previously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now, uh, yeah, going through that here with musicians and other worship leaders who have lived in that a lot longer than me has been really fruitful and experiencing more of what it means yeah, to draw out yeah. the music, to pause, to linger. All to, right. So let's yeah. come back to that. That's one yeah. aspect of um, something we're trying to celebrate and grow in. Um, so music, music experience, music style. We, we also, I think our church has been influenced by Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, for better or worse, musically, that's obviously been an imprint. You also bring something to the table, which is, I mean, a lot of our people do, but you're the one here right now, is that you were in a band, um, uh, metalcore band. Mm-hmm. And um, so you bring this rock background, right? Now you're able to you know, do acoustic and all that, but you, you brought this and you guys performed, you guys put on a great show. You particularly are actually a phenomenal performer in that, um, arena. And so that, that has to carry over and inform how you do, how have you thought through that? Like, what's the, what's the difference yeah. between what you were doing with past unknown and what you're doing now? Right. And what are the similarities? Right. Maybe? Oh man. I think that speaks into a lot because it was something I've kind of wrestled with. Um, because yeah, playing a show with metal band, it was like the expectation I want to use that word. The expectation was like the room's going to get wild, like the band's going to move. Um, and the people in there at the show and the audience are going to move. You better do it. Right. If not, there's going to be people that are moving and they're going to move you for better <laughs> or worse. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. And, and that's the, the posture that everyone has. And so, you know, people can, can like your band or not, but the expectation at the show was there's going to be motion. There's going to be excitement. There's going to be energy um, in that room for like that half hour set for that band. So did you feel like you had to fabricate that every time? Um, sometimes if the show is really bad, <laughs> you're not feeling it. Anyway. And then, oh, the turnout was really bad. Or we just had like just some issues. Sure. You know, it's like, Oh man, do we really need to do this. But you know, since it was like a ministry, it was, I think, primarily a ministry first. We knew that, okay, if no one's even at the show, we're still like playing for Jesus and that's enough. Like we should play our hardest and play our best for him anyway. So, yeah. So the reason I asked that is that whole issue of like expectation versus um, authenticity, you know, because I think it's a church issue. So. It's expect there's expectations. It, it's I, there's an expectation that when I get up to preach, I'm going to be impacted and you're going to be impacted. Yeah. Can I make that happen? No. Right. Should I faithfully strive toward that? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the fight for joy. So you know, similarly with past unknown, there was an expectation that this is what's going to happen. Like. Even if your hearts weren't there, you kind of fought for it. And my guess is most of the time you ended up having an authentic good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's why people are there. We love this stuff. And, yeah. Um, so what are the expectations now when you, you know, how's that different when you come over to church world? Well, this I'm, church, and it's going to vary as the, as the thing, depending on the church, yeah. but this church. Well, I think the expectation is that I would not throw my guitar into the air and catch it <laughs> on a beat. And then get back into the song. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't have my wireless uh, pack anymore, so I can't really do that with uh, all the cables. But that can be arranged. Oh, it's new budget year. That's right. <laughs> Create a new line item. Um, yeah. So I guess the expectation is now. So for me, as like a worship leader. Um. Yes. Yeah. So I would say the expectation is like in that role, almost like as a shepherd um, to, I think there's a right way of doing this, like to lead people into um, how people word it differently, leading you into the presence of God, but, or um, leading you into a deeper place of worship for us together to be right. You know, not just you individually, but for all of us together to be, um, I would say that would be the Seems like the same expectation. That's what they were. Kids were saying they were they were wanting you to lead them into an experience. Now, whether they were trying to worship God or not, that's maybe maybe not some of them. Right. Well, same with the church. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> but but they were saying lead us. But there's just some culture. This isn't a metalcore show. Yep. It's not a metalcore crowd. It's not an 18 and right. 19 year old angry right. angry kids and yeah. right. It's it's 33 year old angry women. Oh, well, they express their anger differently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it's a broader, it is a broader demographic. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, it's not that musical genre is part of it. It would, it would be silly for you right. to be, you know, doing some of the poses you were doing. And, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just picturing yeah. that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. My wife's never seen me in that element. Really? Like perform with oh, the there's videos. Part. There's videos. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So where there's a, a shared expectation. Yeah, you're right. Um, what I was going to hit on was the the kids at the metalcore show. Um, they want they have really like a shared culture and experience. Like like you said, like they're angsty. Not all of them, but like come from broken, that's a whole. They're younger from broken homes. So there's that, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but like for the local church, there's a deeper like connection. <sighs> Although we come from different backgrounds, different mm. ethnicities, socioeconomic statuses, all that stuff, there's a shared identity. A like, shared angst? Yes. A shared angst. A shared joy. Should be. The metalcore scene doesn't know angst. I mean, they may, but you know what I mean? Like, really, if yeah. you want to talk about what's the real issue, you know, okay. With all due respect, Dirk, Dirk's father passed away, but so that's a that's an issue, right? Mm-hmm. There's angst. My father died when yeah. I was a teenager. Okay, but there's a true and better angst, which is that you're estranged from the father, yeah. right? Like, oh, there's the father one. Like, oh, that's the source of mm-hmm. so much more. Yeah. So they should. So okay, now I, I, I'm kind of just uh, vamping here kind of left your outline. If that's the case, since that's the case, that the wounds that we carry into the room Mm -hmm. are the true and better wounds, right? Separation from God, exile, inability to love. um, uh, What do you call it? Un, the unraveling we're un, we're disintegrated or we don't even know who we are to some extent we lack revelation and vision like i look at my wife and don't appreciate her as a being completely i yep. i mean just no oh, this is my life um it seems to me we should be pretty angsty and that should be visible audible you know just like that 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 teenage angst Mm -hmm. translates into a visible manifestation in a in a rock show right yeah well we had some crossover with that because we like people were always like why do you scream so much like isn't that like not of god and all that like well you mean your old at your in your band yeah yeah. scream out stuff right like scream like that and I do corporate worship oh. sometimes well yeah but I mean like so what we talked about or how we vocalized it was I mean there's a couple different things like one we hate our sin 
like some of our song content was like fighting against the flesh, fighting against the lies from the world. And then secondly, like we're screaming our passion for God in this. Yeah. Like, shouldn't we proclaim like the love, like the, the goodness of his character and like the goodness of his grace. Like, shouldn't that be the loudest thing we proclaim? Yeah. Like I would listen to a past unknown and basically ask the question, why aren't you guys screaming louder? <laughs> What's with this tame crap? Just turn this, turn that. Yeah. It was just kind of like fluffy, <laughs> you know, like given the situation. Oh yeah. Well, it's I'm the, just yeah. kind of making a joke, you know, like the reality well, is what, right. That's what you're saying. But you're saying, man, the, the, the issues are so big. The angst is so much. The joy, what's available, the help we need is so much that we're screaming out for it. Yeah. We're raging again. And so it, it manifests itself. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying that should carry over into the church experience and it can and does to different degrees. What are some of the barriers to that? Do you think? Um, part of it. I mean, the goal isn't to scream, by the way. The goal is to connect realistically with who God is and have true revelation. All those, all those things that I brought in, that I bring in, the barriers or the, um, the experience, right? My disintegration, my inability to love, my, my sense of being in exile and um, all this stuff. Like, I want God to shine light on those things and bring healing. They operate at such a deep level that if it's happening, it, there should be a... a a visceral emotional response. Right, so my goal isn't for people to be emotional. My goal is the revelation, but I'm assuming when revelation happens that you respond, mm-hmm. right? What are the barriers to the actually happening? Uh, I think one of the main ones is fear. I just not, yeah. Being worried about what, what will so-and-so behind me think, or these people behind me think. Is they just stand in the back. Yeah, be the furthest one in the back. <laughs> what if everybody was in the back? What if the back Just rows are filled up with people who don't want to participate? Um, yeah. What if we actually just had one line? It was all back row, uh, <laughs> and it was circular, and it was everyone was facing out. Hey. And they all wore blindfolds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not cultish. No, not at all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think fear is part of it. Um, well, like you said, revelation, like one, it's revelation of like your sin and God's grace. But I think even revelation for people will see like this is connected to your life. This is actually for you. This is not just an abstract thought that mm. Jesus died for your sins, but that Jesus yeah. died for your sins. Like he took your all of your sins upon himself. Like, I think if you don't make that connection, like your worship isn't going to be that deep. Like you're not going to feel the angst. Right. You're not going to feel the struggle. Right. Um, I, don't know, I would also say like, it doesn't happen so much because people don't know how to do it. Like what are the actual things that they can do? You mean what's allowed? Yeah. So we've commuted. Well, the way they read that is by what's happening. And that's kind of hard to break that. Right. So when you go to a metalcore show, you actually, you didn't have to have a lesson. No. You walk in, you go, oh, this is how people behave here. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so yeah. now you walk into church, you go, oh, this is how people behave here. Now, the thing is, there's some variety. So again, when we talk about the church, like it just depends when you go to some church cultures and they're very expressive and very um, physically demonstrative and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, And then here, I think we have a mix. Yep. And we're trying to lead and people be free. Now, here's the thing. Like, I'm not trying to prescribe anything. If you're yeah. worshiping God and you're and you're just still and quiet, that's fine. It's open-handed. Right. But as a whole, I do think we tend in most of our life experience. We And, and, when, I, and when I watch humans express joy in various contexts, the majority of them use their bodies. Yeah. I've seen you. Oh, not you. I've right. seen people at Hawkeye games. You won't see me there. I'll look bored. I look like a guy at church. Yeah. Oh, you be sitting down. <laughs> sitting down, drinking my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so barriers are ex- expect not knowing expectations. Well, on what the expectations are. So one of the ways that we, I think we try to set expectations by leading, demonstrating, tell people lead from the middle. Like, um, so 
um, I'm trying to demonstrate that. You're time trying to demonstrate that. And we build a culture, mm-hmm. you know, over time. And it, it has grown. Yeah. As oh, yeah. People singing out and uh, being louder and uh, expressive and, and fighting for it. I remember someone saying to me one time, like, you're pretty – you're, like, in it every Sunday. Are you really feeling it? And I'm like, no. That's why I'm doing that. Like, right. And eventually it usually catches up. And I'm like, I'm, I'm fighting here. Like, God, I have two options. Wait around for you to really move and, like, um, do something like out of left field or I have three options. Number two, just tap out or fake it. I'm sorry. So number one is just kind of tap out and wait around. Number two would be to just fake it. And the other one is to, is to fight for joy mm-hmm. and to God help me. And like what I have found over the years, I used to not be this way. I used to be pretty inhibited in worship and all that. Cause I did care what people thought about me. What I've found over the years is that as I've engaged my arms, engaged my, my body and Right out and lifted my hands and put like it, it, it does something. It helps release a conquer fear. It helps, you know, kind of walk the walk. And, and then the affections usually tend to catch up mm-hmm. in that. And um, yeah, so there's that. That's, yeah. that's me fighting for it. Like right. I'm not waiting. Yeah. Right? You're right. Cause I am sluggish. My, the barriers are all the stuff I brought in, my disintegration and my inability to love, those are the barriers. Yeah. So here I am. What am I going to do? A fight. Yeah, I mean, you you apply it to everything else in your walk with Christ. It's like, oh, I don't feel my, like reading my Bible today. Like, that doesn't mean it's okay to not. Right. Like, you still read. Like, I'm going through a reading plan that is challenging me. And some days it's, like, really fulfilling. Other days it's like, man, it's a struggle. Like, I'm currently in Jeremiah. There's some rough stuff in Jeremiah. It's like, oh, man, this is tough. Yeah. But I know that... God's still going to bless through it and he's going to teach me and I'm going to experience his grace through it. Or like, Oh, I don't feel like going to group or I don't feel like loving my wife. Does that mean it's okay to not do it? Right. No, no, like be challenged. Fight for joy. Yeah. Ask for God to provide as you do it. Now, part of the, there's a lot of barriers here. Part of it is that the, um, so the metal core scene has selected for people that want that. Mm-hmm. People aren't necessarily part of a church because they want and thrive in musical expression of worship. They're there for other reasons, and now this has been thrown in. So you have a broader cross section. So people there for I mean, they're there for maybe all kinds of stuff, but you know, maybe their main thing is community. Maybe their main thing is the teaching. Maybe their main thing is you know, whatever services your church provides to the community, they, they, there's something else that's the main stick. And then they're like tolerating the music. Kind of like I tolerate the dog, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, that's another bear. It's an, it makes sense, right? Where everybody at the metal course show wants that. That's why yeah. they're there. Right. So, but I think that to those people, God calls them and says, sing. So why is this? So let's go there. Why is this? Cause this is, why is music such a dominant theme in churches and in the Bible? Mm. Right? It, it's constant. Yeah. It isn't. It isn't like um, an optional thing, like whether or not your church has runs a soup kitchen. I mean, you should love the poor, you know. Like, yep. but you don't have to run a soup kitchen. But you you need to sing. That's a command from God. Get together. Sing together, mm-hmm. sing songs. I mean, you go all through the Psalms, all over the place. There's, there's actually commanded yeah. a lot. Why? Mm. I really don't know. Well, I'm just kidding. I have ideas. Yeah. I mean, God sings. <clears throat> God sings over us. Zephaniah 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sings over his children. He sings loudly. Why do he, humans? He quiets you by his love or with his love. Why? He's lavish. It's why he expresses his love. It's Ooh. he expresses. It's lavish. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so think of a musical. It's over the top. Right. What are they doing? They could just say the things, but if they start singing them, I like that word. It's lavish. There's like, no, no, this is, it's not enough just to speak this to you. That's yeah. what a love song is for, right? They're not just singing either. They're dancing. Yeah. Mm. But it's choreographed. Right. God sings. 
So let's talk about the transrational. Mm. So this is for your joy. Like, all right, transrational, define the term. It's not, so rational means logic, coherent, logical, coherent. Irrational means illogical, incoherent. Transrational means it's beyond that. It's, it's, it's beyond that category. It's above. It's above. So I use that term for experiences that we participate, desire, crave that are not irrational, but they're beyond ration. For example, um, eating. Right? That experience is transrational. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's immediate. I have another way to put it. It's immediate. It's, and that's why it's so powerful. Oh, food! It's I'm just I'm just eating this and taste. I'm ingesting this or dance, depending on you know that that's transrational. Um, sports, right? That's that glory moment experience of the, the slam dunk or the football, mm-hmm. you know, the touchdown. Like, I mean, keep going. Sex, a lot yeah. of stuff. Really, the a lot of this, you know, just laughing with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hug. Yeah, it's transrational. These are the greatest things in life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they drive you. They shape you. Um, those kids were coming to the show because they want a transrational experience that helps them escape right. and maybe find healing. Yeah, because that's what these things do. Right, they can become idols. Food, all the things I just listed, food, sex, dance. I mean, those are powerful yeah. idols, right? Yeah. Part of what adds in that experience is that a lot of those kids know the words to the songs. And there's parts of those songs where it's like, not words, it's like, you know, O's or whatever it might be, but it's it's joining unison with people in the room who you've never met before. But you all know that band, you know that song. And yes. it speaks something to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So you're looking for this transrational experience. So yeah, my, why music, it helps engage that transactional, transrational experience. It's yes, we need to know the truths about God, um, but we need to taste them. Mm-hmm. And music comes in and complements logic. So we don't just come in and chant like monks. We still have content, mm-hmm. true content about Christ and who we are. Yeah, but it's supplemented with music that can take it to the heart. That the goal is that you would um, experience. I believe the Holy Spirit would it would would meet you in 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 these moments, and you would experience communion with God. And now, because what happens when you're transrational is you're self forgetful. Um, mm-hmm. That's why it's so exciting. You know, you're in the zone musically. You're in the zone. Your inhibitions are low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of forget. Now, you're, all you're thinking about is the, you're not even thinking about dribbling. You're just doing it. Yeah, you're in natural, the flow. Natural flow yeah. Right. And so you're self-forgetful. And that's freeing because when you came in, you were self-conscious. Yes. Your anxiety, your disintegration, your angst, your exo- sense of being exiled, mm-hmm. your inability to love. And God said, I'm going to help you here. We're going to get transrational going to have a self-forgetful mm. moment and get caught up in the reality of who I am. And it's hard, yep, yep. <laughs> but Absolutely. I think we see the beauty of those experiences. So that's the goal. If you're asking what's the goal of corporate worship, you know, it isn't just rehearsing truths so we can embed them into our memories. Like, no, it's a literal, immediate, transrational, self-forgetful, uh, self-freeing, healing experience yep. that bears fruit Monday. Mm-hmm. Well, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And Tuesday. Let me ask you. We got uh, mm. something small. Dirk, why don't you play songs we know? I do play songs you know. You've never heard anyone say that? Why doesn't the band play songs we know? Mm, Not really up here. I'm trying to pick a fight here. Honestly, with Cedar Falls, has, has had a pretty blank slate. When it when it came to the campus kind of starting and it was kind of it's like newer. people enjoyed like whatever we played and so I imagine well I imagine some people are critical I just don't hear about it. That's because you're so intimidating. Um, yeah. Well, part of it, you know, I think I've I've been asked that question: Why doesn't the band play songs we know? And I'm like, Why do they ask you? Yeah, I'm not intimidating as you are. Well, you're not a worship leader. Yeah. 
<laughs> they assume I'm picking the songs, I guess, I don't yeah. know, which I don't. Yeah. Um, worship leaders pick the song. And we don't – Here's so back on style, I don't assign a style. Like when, when Dirk, Joe um, show up to and become worship leaders at Redeemer, we didn't say, hey, do this style. I think there's loose boundaries though. Well, I kind of control that by who you put in. Uh, true. But uh, yeah. This kind of ex- – yeah, But what if I was really um, – passionate about hip-hop and i was good at it depends what aspects of hip-hop like rapping yeah i used to rap and like right so there's boundaries there it's it's hard for people to congregationally rap knowing our our congregation culturally yeah it's just not where a lot of them are right it's not the context right and that's going to filter through and again most people know that they 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 just read what's happening Mm -hmm. um Here's a here's a one of my opinions on um, music, and so we'll end on this potentially controversial note: is that I think the music needs to be consistently, constantly handed down to younger people. should be Should be dominated by people under forty and maybe even more under thirty. That's my that's my phrase. That's my uh, now that's not a biblical command. Mm-hmm. That to me is a is a principle I would apply, and I can defend it. Yeah, if you like. Okay, well. Oh. Uh, here's why: M- music style obviously is divisive, and you can't please everyone. You just can't. So to me, this is one of the way that the older generation dies for the younger generation, because the older generation should be wiser, young, or older, more established, more flexible when it comes to cultural issues. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna. Throw the youth a bone by contextualizing music. Yeah. Throw contextualizing musically to them and say, hey, we know it's hard for you to connect with organs and choirs or whatever the things may be. So we're going to speak in your language when it comes to this. And older folks may say, well, that's not my language. And I would say, that's true. We can't do everything. Would you, as a, as a longer uh, uh, Christian who's on average, has been a Christian longer, mm-hmm. has uh, has tapped into deeper roots of joy in God, has grown in your appreciation for uh, contextualization and the flexibility of forms. Would you give that to the younger generation? And uh, and then I would just also say we've kind of made that decision already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the reasoning for it. So mm-hmm. you could push back on that, but yeah, I don't know. I <clears throat> yeah. I would say as long as the worship leader or leaders, like it's their natural bent, not to act younger, but to like their bent is to not stay in the same realm. I think as long as like you're staying innovative and, and wanting to learn, wanting to um, adapt, I think. Yeah, absolutely. As, so I guess the principle, my principle presumes that that's going to be rare. That you're going to have a 60-year-old who wears skinny jeans? I mean, I, I probably will in like 30 years. Right. But, but I think it's going to be rare. That's why. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Because what you're going for is is that you continued innovation that, that contextualizes to the younger generation. Yeah. If someone is a little older and can do that, mm-hmm. great. Uh, but my presumption is that's going to be rare, which is why we end up in the situation we're in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like name the, who are you talking about? Who are these people? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Like there's not a lot of them. Yeah. So, and even then they would have to, let's say you had a 60 year old worship leader, probably just going to have to involve a lot of other young people, even if he's the key guy. Right. Right. Or lady or whatever. So, um, well, anyway, there's that. So now you can all email Dirk. Oh, no, me, because you're the intimidating one. Yeah. Right. You're the one who picks the songs. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, maybe it'd be helpful for you guys to hear this. How we, yeah, there's certainly obviously some culture, cultural expectations and things that some, we haven't communicated strongly on that. I've literally never sat the musicians down and say, play these songs, play this style. Like some of that we've, we, we figured out together as we liked similar stuff yep. Like wealth really liked Mars Hill and you know, like that was, that was significant. And, um, but what the way we, what we do is we start from the heart out, like 
okay, Dirk, primarily you're called to be a pastor here or if a worship leader, a servant leader. And what we're concerned about is, is you as a human, your character, your love for God, your walk with Christ, um, your synergy with this church, doctrinal affinity. Okay, boom. And then added to that, you have a, a gift. It appears to communicate and lead a team and administrate and perform music. Great. That's, that's tier two. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to tier three, I just, I'm just not as concerned. I love Dirk. I trust Dirk. You know, if he decides he wants to go a little bluegrass with the band this Sunday, like, I just don't care because I have a lot of trust for Dirk. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's how, um, so that's, that's the level of priority. You're not primarily a musical performer or a, right. even a contextualizer to, um, uh, a particular audience you mm-hmm. are a you're a tested tried member of a team of men who are holding fast to the gospel fighting for joy together loving one another in the church like that that's the gold mm-hmm. right so and, harmonic yeah and well i would add like if i'm like thriving in that like i'm not gonna really want to do things in my role as a worship leader, that would potentially ruin that or to bring um, division. Right. Because you love the body. You're not trying to be divisive, be, well, I'm going to show them. I'll bring out a, you know, whatever instrument that these people all think is great. I want to do things just to be cool. Right. Like, okay, how's this going to glorify God? How's this going to serve the body? That's right. So there you have it, guys. Um, That's it for this week's episode. If you guys have questions, topic ideas, we would love to serve you in that way. So you can always reach me at Donovan at RedeemerHome.com. If you have questions for Dirk regarding music, Dirk at RedeemerHome.com. Or if you're in Cedar Rapids, Joe would be your contact, Joe at RedeemerHome.com. So there it is, folks. Thanks for the time. We hope it's been a joy for you. We'll see you soon. Reach on.